0: Welcome to, or welcome back to, Pro Running News. I'm joined in this episode by David Lippin. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Matt. How are you? Good, thank you. We're going to talk today about some ideas into into how we can fix the sport of running, or at least improve it, um, with some big picture ideas uh, that we've been talking about for some time off air, so it's time to put them on air. Yeah, for
1: sure. And I think, to frame this, um, when we say broken, or to fix something, it must be broken, and when we say broken, we're talking about, to some extent, athlete pay, because that's part of Uh, this to some extent it's about exposure because those things go hand in hand and to some extent it's about creating uh, buy-in and and, um, enjoyment in the public and perhaps expanding the fan base of running because all these things go together right these things are inextricably linked the economics of running is linked to sponsorship is linked to media coverage is linked to all those things so without you know they all go hand in hand and a lot of what we think about in the world when we think about sport is these big team sports and their popularity, for instance, football codes in Australia or, you know, NFL, NBA, these sort of things. So how do we take running and learn from the other sports and try and bring some more excitement to running and, and bring some more fans back to running? We've got empty stands, we've got no real discussion. You've got to go on to let's run to see anything like and you know, we're part of ourselves trying to change this a little bit with this podcast. You know, your company, Sweat so Elite,
0: so what else can we do? Is really the question we had. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been talking about uh, exactly this and, and some bigger picture ideas that uh, that would require a lot of people to cooperate with each other, which in itself is tricky yep. because incentives are there, uh, clubs are not evenly distributed in terms of sponsorship, etc. So this is a difficult thing to, to pull off in this, in this instance. Yep. And, you know, you said it yourself, like most of the bigger sports that are well-funded, uh, most of them are team-based. They're not all. You know, we can take the examples of boxing and golf that aren't, yep. but they're very different because when you watch boxing and golf there's so many more well one you know it changes constantly throughout whereas a running race yep. especially when we're talking about a 10k onwards it's often you know one pace uh, yep. there's one pacer two paces trying to break a world record it doesn't really i mean I've, I've said to a lot of people lately that i've been really enjoying watching the triathlon lately because yep. it changes constantly throughout the race someone yep. comes off the front of the swim they'll then go backwards in the bike they'll yep. get off the bike they'll be cooked they'll go backwards someone yep. will fly out the front of the run you know yep. Morgan Pearson did that at the uh, at the recent uh, grand final of the triathlon at Abu Dhabi yep. so you know there's all these aspects that make running a little bit more difficult to make interesting yep so um yeah let's talk about how we can maybe maybe make them happen and like i said yep. these, these are very big picture yeah. yeah
1: for sure and i think one of the other aspects that um creates excitement uh, and, and where running struggles is that uh and football is the perfect example, soccer if you will, um, and the World Cup has been on, the fact that either team could win makes it exciting. Yes. And it can frustrate people when you have a much better team and you lose, for instance, in the first round, so Argentina lose to Saudi Arabia, that's a huge upset, and you know Argentinian fans hate that, but as a neutral fan, or as a uh, you know fan of the sport, or as a fan of Saudi Arabia, obviously you're really excited, and you just don't really see that in running, uh, because it's pretty metronomic it's kind of like this is the pace I can hold this is my threshold it's a, it's a bit of a physiology problem the exceptions being cross country of course uh, where you have real races or some of the world marathon majors where there are no paces and it's a, a more technical course and part of the challenge we're kind of a we're sort of stuck and maybe swimming's influenced us a little bit we're kind of stuck chasing times We that's what people want to see but also when you actually watch it like if you watched Kip Berlin Marathon like it's not that exciting mm. uh, or maybe it is because he's maybe going to break the work or maybe he isn't but it's kind of him running his pace and then he just isn't anymore at one point or right. he is and
0: then he finishes yeah exactly right i feel like the introduction of gps uh technology has been so good for the sport but then also in a way bad for the sport um yeah. and when i say gps people are, be- are becoming more interested in times as a result of having their own watch and yep. having their own tracking of of uh, of races so i say all the time that uh you know Rewind 20 years ago Before GPS Or maybe you need to go back 30 uh, 25 It was a pretty different ball game Yeah Running People were mostly running to win Yeah. Uh you know There were still the people At the front that were trying to Maybe go for a national records Here and there But for the most part It was pretty tactical affairs Yeah. And um Yeah I guess uh That leads us to the next point Of, of looking at uh of looking at something going on in the world right now that, or well, has been going on for more well, since nineteen seventeen, yeah. over in Japan, that we feel like might be the way forward. Um, so yeah. we're talking more specifically here about academia.
1: Yeah, and I, I think part of the reason we got to this conclusion is that there's a there's a couple aspects of it. that It's heavily supported in Japan. So let's let's be clear: is uh, when we talk about there's not a lot of support. People aren't really that interested. Economic is supported it is. People are interested in Japan. We don't hear a lot about it because a lot of the news comes out in Japanese. Not a lot of uh, people who live outside of Japan speak Japanese. It's a difficult language to learn. So those sort of aspects mean that it uh, it can be a little bit hard to pick up on. But the culture around it is really exciting, and the it's just it's a great. There's people. There's sponsorship. There's obviously media as a result, uh, and there's a lot of support. So you you've had some experience there. I have about a bit more.
0: So just pre-COVID, uh, my colleague Tate and I went to Japan for three and a half weeks and did a little bit of uh, research. We we actually found a brilliant article by Tempo Journal just that was just released before we before we, we went there um, from from a guy from Tempo called Ryan Stoner who who went over there and, and basically spent a few weeks with the with some of the corporate teams and university teams there and he wrote an article all about it and, and we'll, we'll we'll reference that in the show notes as well. But um, yeah, we we learned quite a lot. We learned that uh, as you mentioned. One of the challenging things to, to hear is that in Japan, the language is uh, is all Japanese. Um, very few people in Japan speak English. Um, when we look at our YouTube channel, we have almost no, uh, Swedish YouTube channel, that is, we have almost no Japanese visitors, it's very low, but when we put the Yuki Kawaiachi video online that was in Japanese with English subtitles, it was mo- it was a huge Japanese viewership, so that was just because it was in Japanese. Um, the, the, the the language was, yep. and so you know we can't even really watch the Ekaden uh, and understand what's going on, yep. because it's all in Japanese. Because that's how that's that's just their culture and their yep. and their and their um they're, they're set setup there. So yeah, back to our trip, we went there and did a little bit of um, of research with a few university teams. We wrote a few articles about mm-hmm. about the experience. We'll put them in the show notes as well. But ultimately, we learned that Echidin is the. Is the big grand final. Yep. Uh, there's a few races that happen throughout the year that are pretty important. Um, there's there's two leagues here too. Well, there's probably more than two, but the two big ones are the university league, yep. uh, which is big, but then the corporate uh, team league is bigger. Yeah. Uh, and that's Ekinen from from what I understand is it features both. Yeah. Uh, I, I could have that I could have that wrong, but I'm, I'm fairly sure that they have both of those uh, d- those divisions there: the university league and the, and the corporate league. And it happens in the first week of January every year. And it's basically a road race. For those that don't know, some some would know this. Um, it's, a, it's a road race where it's, it's a relay uh, between different teams. And I heard a statistic that roughly a third of the country watch wow. on TV. Wow. Which, uh, I don't know what Japan's um, the population is, but that, that, that's a lot of people watching.
1: I mean, even if you just use a third, like... They're not. I mean, okay, maybe the Super Bowl, maybe the Olympics, maybe the football World Cup. But I don't think the Olympics would have that. Yeah, but I mean, like the Super Bowl th- probably would. A third years. of yeah, a third of the country watching it. That's like, insane. Yeah, yeah. In, in so they've,
0: they've they've managed to build it up to be an enormous deal there, and as a as a result of that comes sponsors and comes yeah. teams and comes money and comes good
1: situations for athletes. Yeah, and sure. media as well, right? So, yes, we're a bit biased because sort of I don't know. if I'd consider myself running media. You definitely are, but. Um, once you have good competition with eyeballs, you have interest and that is its own thing which then drives more interest, right? So there's these talk, you know, you would see these these full channels of it in the US and Australia um, of just discourse around the sport, talking about what's happening, who's injured, who isn't, uh, you know, what about this tactic? What about this thing that happened in social media based in the sport, like whatever you can want, debate shows who's better, all this stuff. This is a huge industry. There are full channels of this uh, and none of that exists in running. I mean, you could argue maybe the Let's Run forum uh, is something similar. But uh, imagine if you could bring that to life and have people who really understand and, and really take points of view and debate it and think about what that would do for the sport and the the eyeballs and the who companies would want to be involved because they want their athletes talked about because then they're associated with something and then people find them on social media and go from there. So it's a bit of a rising tide lifts all ships here is we need to generate some excitement so that there's some media, so that there's more excitement, so that there's more media and we sort of spiral up that way. Yep. Um, and I think part of the challenge we have is that there are no real... Heroes in running, like mm. Kipchoge, probably transcended it a little bit. Uh, but I mean, he doesn't have a rival. Uh, you could argue Kenenisa Bekele is a bit of a rival, but they've never raced, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, and it's it's just so hard. You need to have, and, and the p- other challenge with running, aside from maybe an in format or shorter races, is that it's hard to do back to back week in week out. Mm. You know, if it's marathon and you're talking about probably six months between them, so you don't get that many. So that's kind of how we got to the point of in a mixture of ekiden and also the infrequency of racing is probably a team's type of format. Yeah. Um, and then there's an argument, okay, well, we have teams. We've got an NN running team. And it's like, yeah, but that's more a management group than it is a team, right? They don't compete against anybody. There's no, you know, uh, Adidas equivalent that they can compete against. Imagine if you had that, uh, an equivalent that they would be racing against and you would have these head-to-head things. And we saw a little bit of this during COVID, had a couple of these races that were put on. And recently you mentioned... Um, Sound running put on a cross country event that had what were traditionally uh, training groups right people like Tin Man and people like OAC where historically you had groups like Brooks Hansen's where if you were a Brooks athlete you would go train with them mm-hmm. which is great
0: but we need to see these teams competing
1: mm. Yeah, exactly right
0: yeah I was I was uh, I was very interested in the sound running cross country event that happened uh, a couple of weeks back now where yeah they essentially had a cross country race where it was a point system um, from what I understand it was uh, you know one, one race if you place first you get one point and the least amount of points wins. Standard stuff. Yeah, yeah. so very different to Ekinen. Yep. But it's still heading in the direction that we're talking about. Yep. In terms of teams against each other, brands, personalities. And maybe this is the start of of a wave of that sort of that that sort of uh, competition. From what I understand, I don't know I should have researched this, but I don't know if that was the first version of that. um, because I do recall living in Bowler last year there was uh, there was a few people talking about a team versus team thing, so it, yeah. uh, it may not have been the first one, but at least it was it was watched a lot more than I believe previous ones, at least. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's uh, trending in the right direction for sure.
1: And it, look, it was associated with World Athletics, so there's a chance that we're going to a stage where, um, foreseeably, you have say something like cross country in the Olympics, yeah. and you're trying to develop that as a an excitement point. And look, maybe cross country is the answer here because roads are too predictable. Maybe it has to be cross country because you can change courses and that will favor some runners versus other runners. You can do different parts of the world. It can be traveling. You can have this. Imagine, all right, we're going to Kenya this week and next week we're in Japan for cross-country and then the following week we're in Australia. Like Imagine a sort of traveling tour with teams. That would be amazing, right? And then you have these play- these people who are perhaps brand loyal uh, who then stay on teams or maybe they're not. Maybe it's the teams are not brand related mm-hmm. and you have independent sponsors, right? So you've mentioned... Ekiden like in Japan with sponsors, and I mean, they've got huge companies sponsoring even rugby where the sport's yeah. not that big there. You know, Panasonic sponsors a rugby team, um, and that you know, rugby in Japan is pretty big, but it's nothing on places like you know, UK, Australia, New Zealand in terms of popularity. So, mm-hmm. there is money there if there's if you're going to get TV time and, and media
0: time, right? It's mm. just about getting that, exactly right. And ultimately, you touched on this in the very early start of this conversation, and it's that I feel like you know, there's so much uh, proof that popularity of a sport kind of revolves around to some extent the personality of the people. Yeah. Um in the Ekittons case, we don't really fully understand that because we haven't really watched it. Yep. Uh, we know how it works and we know the you know the stuff that you can read on, on Wikipedia. We've all, I've obviously been there and understood um, some of the cultural aspects to it. But I think one thing that Sweat Elite's really trying to do now, and it'd be good to talk a little bit more about like how we can improve this in in a in a sense of the whole running community. How can people Enjoy the personalities of the pro athletes in a better, better way. I mean, we did touch on this in an earlier episode: rock stars of the running yeah. world. Where you know, where are they? Um, because again, uh, people are probably starting to think I'm, I'm going to end up being a triathlete. But yeah. in in triathlon, there's these Lionel Sanderses and yeah. and Sam Longs and uh, Gustav Edens that are just yeah. so. Uh, Almost in a way, they're like addictive personalities. Like yep. Lionel, I watch every time I see that notification yep. pop up, Lionel sends me video, I drop what I'm doing and I watch it. Yep. Whereas Ryan's, I don't really have anything like that. So I think that's going to help a lot to yep. um, ultimately, you know, you have to think, how do you do that? You can broadcast that either via, via Instagram, yep. via YouTube, via podcast. Yep. Um, but ultimately, I, I do think Instagram and YouTube are the big ones because yep. it's visual as well. You can yeah, actually yeah. see them. So yeah, I think we need to start rewarding it. And the only way you reward it is
1: by. Like there's no return on investment for them there, and at the moment it's it's almost a negative thing for them because other runners look at it and go like, oh, you don't need to do that, just run fast, right? And and maybe part of the problem here is we're so worried about the clock. Like let's just win races, right? So let's just like and and I keep reverting back to cross country. It feels like that might be the only thing, and and for a number of reasons. So one of them is then it's about winning. As I said, then rivalry is important and winning's important, and the times don't matter. So it's not about running fast, it's about running well, and then you'll have rivalries and you'll have smack talk and people will go at each other and you'll have these personalities and they'll be rewarded because they'll have more fans there. And that will make a big difference because having fans on a cross country course is helpful to you. And then the other aspect of it is that I think the average person has no relationship and no understanding of Kipchoge's pace and what that actually means. Okay. Yeah. There's a big, everyone on marathon major has a treadmill that's at Kipchoge's pace and you run on it and then you fall off the back and everyone kind of giggles and you know, whatever. <laughs> but let's be clear. Like I have no concept, of what running a 60 minute half marathon feels like i I know it's amazing but i just i can't relate to it but i know how bad an 8k cross-country course is like it just that sucks the same for everybody almost so i'm wondering if um we need to be giving away the clock a little bit in the name of let's just race on cross-country courses and then most people have run in their life five ten maybe probably 10k is a bit much for many but many people would have as a child run cross-country and i think that relationship if you think about football codes be they in any country or basketball or whatever generally the people who watch it played it and like there are so many people who uh, most marathon fans of marathons have run marathons and that's that's part of the problem with it is that not many people have run marathons compared to have run cross country in their life so maybe that's what we need to do and you don't need to be able to relate to it you just watch a guy rinsing himself and you think jeez that's awesome yeah I like the guy with you know and, and again I like the guy with the big red head I like the big red afro okay cool like let's start supporting him Who, what team's he on oh he's from that team okay cool that's my team now right just the way people pick sports teams and then after a couple of generations then you get indoctrinated into that right this is tribalism this is how sport builds it is you have this tribe of people that you identify as mm-hmm. you sell baby clothing from your club right and you
0: sell memberships mm-hmm. yeah no 100% and um I do wonder, you know, I've been involved in the sport of track and field and road running since about two thousand and seven, and you know, you know, you've you've paid attention to and been involved for a similar amount of time, at least. Um, in terms of just sort of observing, at the minimum, but um, I feel like it has taken a step in the right direction in a sense of, you know, ten years ago, I don't really know if there were many teams or training groups at all. There was very yep. few, and if they were, they weren't branded. Yep. They were just, uh, you know, Melbourne Track Club was around. Yep. But it Was I don't I don't think at the time it even had a logo. Now it does. Yep. Uh, now it's a t- training group. Yep. I was about to call it a team, but it's not, not really a team. Um, but, you know, Tin Man jumped on the scene in 2017, 20- yep. I think, 2016. Yep. And they have probably done the most... Yeah. in terms of media yeah. and exposure I mean let's face it these guys are great runners but yeah. they're, no, they're not at the Olympics yeah. um, Sam Parsons was yeah. uh, he qualified and uh, did very well uh, yeah. sorry no I think world champs maybe he was Olympics either way yeah. he was at the world champs um, but most of them are not at that level but yeah. they've made a great name for themselves I
1: think they got a 3000 steepler as well from Europe oh that's right Jermaine uh, yeah. yes so, but, yeah. but the point is with these guys like they, and it was very clear early in the phase uh, you know, when it used to be the, the tin man uh, Tom Schwartz He spoke about these guys need to make money, and I'm helping them do that with we're doing clothing and we're doing this and like buying into that brand, people like it, Mm -hmm. and then Adidas have leveraged that and gone like now there's colors for Tin Man and all these things. So that's the sort of stuff we need to get to, but we need them to have an enemy, like they need a rival, right? So that you have to pick a side because now it's kind of like everyone's going, yeah, I kind of like Tin Man, it's pretty good, but we need someone to hate Tin Man, Mm -hmm. and you need to hate Tin Man because you love someone else, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you create rivalries. You need this. Yeah. I, I spoke to someone the other day. I said, Oh, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He's like, Geez, we can't be friends anymore. I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. Like, we actually we got a lot in common. We really get on well. But he's like, You know, that was a bit of a joke, and we still get on well. But the point is, that we need that. Yeah. That's what you need. Because you need an us, you need a them. Like, yeah. Humans are very tribal, very much in group, out group. And so you need a group to identify with. Yeah. We need that to happen. And we need people like probably Josh Kerr is the other one who, who really creates a rivalry, wants to be a bit of a rock star and say, like Listen, like, let's go. I want to win this, and I don't think you can beat me. Like, that's great. We need that. We need that.
0: That's how we're going to get. Uh, you know, when you think about the idols of running, Steve Prefontaine is one of them. Yeah. What did he do? I was about to interrupt you ten minutes ago and say Pre- Prefontaine was a perfect example of someone who yeah. just wanted to win races. Yeah. And yeah, he broke world record, at least American record in yeah. some races. Yeah. Um, and he didn't even look at the time, from what yeah. I understand. He was just he was just trying to beat people. Yeah. And and win races by a margin. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and really rinse himself right, and that's yeah. what people loved about him. Um, yeah. and
1: I think we've kind of gone away from that a little bit, and we need to um. We need to create these superstars and really look for them right and actually that you mentioned the the previous podcast episode two of where all the rockstar runners gone that's a quote from Prefontaine. yeah um and i think we need to get there we need to have personalities we need to encourage personalities we need to support personalities and then buy into teams and brands and mm. you know and then running selling merchandise which is great so is tin man like those things
0: are great that's good for the sport they just need to probably race each other or something. Mm. So. What do we do? I mean, we've, we've thrown out here, you know, examples of Ekaden. Yep. That's a great concept. It's very clearly working because the running economy, yep. in quote, in, in, uh, in, in commerce, is uh, is much better yep. in Japan than anywhere else. So what I mean yep. by that is there's more people on salaries. Yep. There's more people on 40 grand a year or more. Yep. Um, uh, how, how high those salaries go, I don't know, but yep. at least there's more people in Japan earning a full-time wage yep. than anywhere else in the world, yep. um, despite them not being the best running nation in the world or even yep. the second best running nation in yep. the world. So, um, how that's happened is as a result of a long-standing uh, competition, really, yep. in Ekaden, that's just been supported by corporates, yep. but it's been supported by the media. And, yeah, how does it happen in, in... I mean, so I mean, in the UK, where we're currently recording this podcast, there's there's a lot of smaller teams. Yep. They have cross-country races, so yep. there's almost like these pockets of this example everywhere. Yeah. But there's no big thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's hard right because we probably need to have a pathway so you need to have a direct line so that we encourage because the pockets in the uk there are some very good runners who do that but it's very sporadic right you might be a 230 marathoner oh, that's a good marathoner and then go run some cross country and that's fine but like how do we support them how do we create an economy around that where there's money so that there's an incentive so that then they go and then there's also a direct line for them to go from that league to another league right so you need these systems where you can develop that and and we probably need to have teams in a world league or a a league somewhere that then are looking for runners because then you'll have an economy of second tier that then develops runners or you come via right and young people go and run there. Mm. So there's, I mean look, there's no shortage of good, let's call them uh, teen to early 20 runners in the world but there's not a lot that keep going because the finances aren't there but if there was an end goal where there was something then maybe they stay. right, And so that's can we have you know, a league of, call it six teams, world league of six teams or so? And I don't know what, maybe it's cross country, maybe it's an Eckerdan style where you do different distances. And maybe it's off-road, maybe it's on-road, maybe it's a mix of all this stuff and you have to get guys who are diverse and who are gonna win some races and lose others. Um, as we talked about, kind of like the um, triathlon example where you're, yeah, you might lose on the swim but you win on the, the bike. Mm-hmm can we create that? And then you have this league that is then well remunerated. Then you have people who hang around a little bit longer to then try and accelerate into that league and go there. And that maybe supports the basis for the Olympians for something, right? Because a lot of the Olympians, okay, they have shoe contracts and that usually funds them. And you know, diamond league is there, but imagine having something like the diamond league, except it was more for distance running because the diamond league is killing distance running. Let's be clear. There's very few events for beyond 3000 meter steeple anymore. Um, which ironically is probably the stuff that people relate to better, right? They probably relate to a 5k more than they relate to anything else because uh, they go and do park run or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you probably need that sort of first-tier league so you have second-tier leagues to then um, support people and you have maybe national leagues and you'll have like teams that come from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably what we need to get to. That's a, that's a very big goal. Um, right. But the answer is probably we need four to six teams supported by companies or multiple companies that create a team
0: and then you sort of find those athletes and, and go from there mm. i feel like one thing that's fascinating about how japan have been able to do this is from what i understand there's not please if, if this is incorrect i'd love to i'd love to hear in the in, in via our website if this is incorrect but i don't believe there's a lot of behind the scenes content there in terms of what like what swedley does yeah um yeah we are planning on heading over there next year to do a little bit of that with the teams which is um tba and uh, still being planned but I think in, in in Europe, in the US, and Australia for that matter, there's a lot of potential to do that. Yep. Um, but it just, it, it, sadly, it really, really does boil down the money. Yep. And a lot of these teams, so Tin team Man have been so successful in their in their economics, yep. in their financials, that they're able to hire people yep. to do that. And how they did that off the bat, I don't know, I think it was as a result he's again not 100% sure I think Drew Hunter uh, set that up properly and got Adidas to jump on board with a budget for them and that's how to do it that's exactly how to do it because the reason why people don't have YouTube channels is because they don't have a budget for it or they don't feel that it's worth it but heavily biased (laughs) here but I believe that's the way forward Um, because if you rewind five, six years ago almost no one had a YouTube channel and now it's quite a lot so I think that that trend is, is there but, um, yeah, I do think that there's uh, there's definitely a lot of scope for brands to hire a media person or a media team, small yeah. media team, to boost them and then hopefully go back to what you are talking about with the event and it, it yeah. sort of drive the content towards that event because sure. watching a build-up of, of workouts and video series leading up to an event is, is, is so... Is, is the key, right? That's oh, for like, sure. Yeah.
1: And I think getting to know the personalities, right? You need yeah. to buy into stories, like humans buy into stories. So you need to have that there and you need to know the story. Um, I think... It doesn't even need to be as um, extravagant to start with. Like, there's never been a lower barrier to entry for the media, right? You need two blokes with a laptop and a a microphone for a podcast. You need uh, somebody with an iPhone at a training session and then some editing software to to create a YouTube video. Like, you, you can, the barrier's never been lower. I'm sure there are college teams, these sort of things where you can really. Uh, you've got people who are learning, and it's it's good for them to learn. They're an intern, and you just go for it. Like you could easily get some of that content going, and then there's you just create for yourself. Like buy, like spend time talking to your fans. Steven Scolyans a great example of somebody who's got a really dedicated tribe because he's really raw with him. He's really honest. And he puts out some content, mm-hmm. and it's not. I mean, I listened to a podcast of his the other day. It's like him talking to his phone while he's driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly hyper produced, overly curated. Uh, you know production assistants or anything like that I think he just recorded it and then put it out I don't even think he edited it mm-hmm. so and I've that's
0: listened, fine I listened to a few of his and, and they're pretty entertaining actually yeah and
1: yeah. that's and there's something that's really authentic to him and so you buy it because you're like oh this guy's really raw and real like I like that so and some people don't and that's also good because hmm. you need to have people who don't like everything you can't be if you're for everybody
0: you're also for nobody yeah if you try and get everyone to love you, you no know one will. Exactly, I think that's the quote in media in, uh, in the context of media, anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we've um, we've definitely covered some interesting topics here, and um, I, you know, linking back to triathlon, and I and I bring this up just because obviously, clearly, we're currently expanding into triathlon and yeah. elite. We've been studying this a while, and and what's been interesting to see over the last uh, few years is the introduction of the PTO. Yeah where before so this is a little bit out of context for runners but basically there's the Olympic distance triathlon where they've yep. got those series uh, you know the Super League series that's a whole different thing but then when you go to the long course so this is basically comparing like Olympic distance is like the Diamond League yep. Olympic distance triathlon is like the yep. Diamond League and then over that is like the Marathon Majors yep. and Ironman had a very firm grip on and to some extent still do on that that space, yeah, and they even were so good with their marketing that they basically were able to brand long course triathlon their brand, yeah. But there's been an introduction of a new series called the PTO Professional Triathlon Organization,
1: yeah, yeah. Professional Triathletes Organization, yeah. and that's just
0: come as a result of some people wanting to have a competitor to Ironman. Um, they thought that Ironman maybe wasn't uh, wasn't uh, funding the athletes very well, yep. and they've come over the top with a huge investor behind the scenes, from what I understand, maybe even more than one. And they've uh, organized this um, this this league of events that the other that the pro triathletes have flock to. Yeah. So running almost needs something like that. Yeah. A big organization or a group of people with a lot of money to try and yep. kickstart a different direction. Um, I just wonder who, yep. who that might be to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're gonna need you're gonna need tens of millions. But of dollars, I'd say.
1: There's clearly appetite outside of pure running. I don't think many people know what NN is. Uh, I know what it is because I live in the Netherlands. National Nederlander. It's an insurance company mm. in the Netherlands, yeah. and I wonder if people knew that before this podcast. And what I'm saying there is, there's obviously an ROI for them. It's not for fun that they're involved. So, th- where are the other ones? Can we get these other ones? Let's get going. And I mean, some of it's also they need to see value. So as a someone sitting listening to this, like, what can you do? Start following some runners on Instagram. Start watching their YouTubes. Buy into some runners that you want to support because then they'll, oh, there's, this guy's got so many followers, they've got so much interaction, like, this is cool, and let's start to, to build it that way. And then, I think, probably just watch. Like, if you can, watch them. Uh, but again, we don't do a good job of putting running on anything, to be honest. Right. If, like, it's forever difficult to find a stream. Uh, they're always iffy quality, the commentaries in whatever language, like, it's difficult. We need to have... Yeah. Like, I can watch NFL anywhere in the world. That's pretty straightforward. It is difficult for running. Yeah. So... Uh, we would need a media company on board to really own that series and, and then have a website where you could just sign up and see it, yeah. you know, and PTO has that, right? Exactly. Use yeah. the PTO example. You can watch it it on the PTO website.
0: Yeah. Um, so you need to own that and go for it from there and, and then monetize off that, I think. Mm. It almost just needs a really similar scenario to PTO in that, yeah. yeah, like we <laughs> looping back to that. A large organisation with with uh, maybe even eight figure budget yep. uh, can just go okay. We're going to really plan this out. Yep. Create a series of events. We're going to get sponsors on board. We're going to create teams. Maybe operate at a pretty substantial loss for a few years because yep. uh, from what I've heard, PTO in that boat. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if anyone does do that in the next few years because. I feel like it's a space open to grab, but I understand it's expensive. Yeah, at the same
1: time. I think that's yeah. it. And, and economically at the moment, things are tough, so yeah. understandable. Um, I mean, look, the one thing that Australian listeners, if, if they are listening, probably thinking about is Nitro Athletics that happened in the 2000s. Yeah. They took, I think it was the eight best, I mean, they had U10 ball come out, but they basically took some of the best um, athletes around that they could get their hands on and split them into even teams, and then they had a competition, an athletics meet basically, uh, which was great for track and field. Um, Again, I think a lot of people really struggle with track and field because they're not, unless you've really done it and you're a real fan, you you struggle. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think something like, uh, you know, I keep harking back to cross country and 10k, something like that, you could do those distances. And maybe the key is it can't actually be marathons because one of the things with marathons is it takes a lot out of you. So it probably has to be shorter events. Um, Relays are great because, you know, relays create drama. Um, Yeah.
0: Marathon relay. Yeah. I reckon it's the way to go.
1: Four marathons back to back.
0: No, 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 a marathon where there's four people doing 10.5k yeah. legs or something yeah. like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I agree, it's something like that. And that's one of the Ekaden distances, isn't it, is the marathon? So marathon, so
0: they do, there's like a 3.8 and
1: then there's yeah, a yeah. 10 or whatever, and I think that's cool as well because you have different styles of runners and you choose them, uh, and you can put them in different... I mean, imagine you've got a marathon distance to cover, uh, you've got four to six runners in it, uh, they choose, you've got bounds and they can run a certain amount within mm-hmm. them, and then they can run that in different orders. So I might be racing you... You're doing a 3K leg, but I'm doing a 10K leg, and we're in the same all at the same time. So when do I decide to put my 3K runner? When do you decide to put your 10K runner? Yeah. The tactics come into it. you know, All these things. That would be we just need that. We need that. We need
0: more. We need something yeah. like that, for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for joining, David. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, we would really appreciate a review. Um, ideally a five star one, but whatever you feel we're uh, we're worthy of, yep. and uh, look forward to future episodes. And once again, if you yep. you know if you have any ideas, uh, look at the website. You can put a you can submit a form there yep. in terms of if you if you'd like to hear a topic that we'd like yep. to discuss and analyze. And, analyse.
1: and uh, tag us on social media if you have any ideas of how we could fix running, what we could do, or if you know anybody who wants to start a media company behind uh, or, or not a media company but a, a running team. Yep. We're happy to try and get in contact and, and share some ideas.
0: Cool. Thanks, guys, for
1: listening.